0: Welcome to Uplift, Inspiring Stories to Uplift the World. I am Gemma Serenity Gorokov, your host, and today, coming from the Greek islands of Borotos, we have John Garstang joining us. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely.
1: Thank you, Gemma. It's lovely to be here. It's great to see you.
0: Thank you so, so much. Tell us a little bit about you. How did you discovered these Greek islands?
1: Uh, That's a very good question. Uh, Sometimes uh, the harder we look for something, the more it kind of gets away from us and uh, all the things that I felt like I was looking for at the time when I was looking for something, I found them in a completely different place. Um, It was more about the time of my life uh, and the decisions I made at certain times, uh, which brought me here rather than the place itself. Um, I came to visit my cousin, who is a windsurfing instructor, kite surfing instructor, a man of the world, when I was having a bit of an existential crisis uh, in my mid 30s. And that's when I uh, made the decision when I was visiting here, and I had some headspace, some time to reflect. That's when I decided to uh, leave my life behind in London. Uh, and um, as I kind of made the decision, on that Greek island, I thought, well, let's start the new journey here.
0: How fabulous. And your journey revolves around pets, around dogs. So tell us how that came to be.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, like a lot of people who are involved in the animal world, it, it, it was a passion that started from a young age uh growing up around animals working in a, in a in a riding school uh when i was in my teens in austria in the tyrol not too far away from switzerland where you're from uh and uh just discovering an aptitude uh with the animals um a, a, a natural ability to communicate with them um and i also like the, the people that were attracted to to working with animals as well. I like their uh, honesty and their simplicity and their passion. Um, and, you know, it, it also goes hand in hand with being outdoors and enjoying nature generally. So um, after I finished my degree training and studying theatre in London, and then I was playing in a rock band uh, in, uh, in London, um, Obviously, the the natural progression from acting to rock musician to working with animals is you know the classic. Uh, no, I'm joking, of course, but like, I don't know, it, it was, uh, it felt like the rock the right thing to do at the time. Uh, I, I ran into it. I bumped into a guy who was looking for someone I was looking for a change in my life. This was uh, beginning of my 20s. And he offered me the job on the spot on the pavement right there. He said, I need someone to help with me with my dogs. Uh, And I was like, "Okay, let's give it a try. And I just fell in love with the work immediately. And it led to research and passion and reading books and studying, talking to any expert I knew. And uh, it's led me uh, to where I am right now.
0: Wow. That's amazing. So um, can you share an inspiring story that you experienced with dogs?
1: uh yeah absolutely um so once i'd started and i felt like i was getting a handle on things um uh, what i found is is the the real aptitude and the skill i had with dogs wasn't with the actual dogs it was with their relationship with the people that were in their life Interesting. and i was really fascinated every time i met someone and i started working with their dog what was going on in the relationship and often i could tell uh what was going on perhaps uh attitude and behavior-wise with the dog just by talking to the person on the phone, maybe before I even met the dog. Um, I didn't really realize at the time that that would be something that I would focus on. Uh, And one of the uh, good friends of mine who I went to university with, who worked in kind of biology and zoology, she had recently started working in an elephant orphanage in Zambia, Southern Africa, um, taking... Uh, baby elephants that had been uh, orphaned because of the parents being uh, poached and left to die. And her job was to find these elephants, uh, take them in and take them to the sanctuary and basically rehabilitate them back into the wild. She'd been working in Africa. She found out that someone uh, in uh, Lusaka, which is the capital, needed someone to help with the dog's sanctuary there because they were having a nightmare. They weren't rehoming any dogs. The dogs weren't getting any better. And it just happened to be at a time when I was looking for something. I was really thinking, I don't want to get stuck in the hamster wheel doing what I'm doing. I want to improve. I want to find uh, my path, but using the skills I developed. And she messaged me saying, you know, I thought about you. Would you be interested to come to Zambia and help this charity? And I was like, I didn't even think about it. I was like, yeah, it was the right question at the right time. And I was like, bang, yeah, I'm, I'm up for it. So I arranged uh, my business to be taken care of. I, I, I saved some money because it was all completely self-funded, and I jumped on an airplane and just went somewhere to do something I'd never done before in a place I'd never been with people I didn't know. Uh, to say I was out of my depth is a is an understatement, but I found that being in a in a very foreign place, uh, a, a very. Uh, alienated in some ways, dealing with uh, a situation that I didn't have any experience of, I did have a niche in which I I cared about the animals, I cared about the people, I could see that they wanted to do so much, and they had so much uh, passion and ideas, but they just didn't have the confidence or the skill. And my job was really just to listen to them, find out where the shortcomings were, and where their skills were, and just know put myself in there straight away and um you know long story short i spent four months there and uh it changed my life because i finally realized i was like this is this is where my skill lies it's it's going into places and and objectively looking at what needs to be done and working out who's good at what and you know working out my shortcomings and my you know all the things that i'm rubbish at uh and uh and you know Communicating all those things, talking about it, and and coming up with solutions, and that was um, something that I did, and I had a lot of success there. And since then, I've kind of run with that idea. And whenever I feel like I'm hitting a wall, I remember that time, uh, and 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 remember that uh, you know it's sometimes when you when you're up against the wall the most, that's when you're at your best. So it was a hugely important thing for me to go through. That's
0: fabulous. Thank you for sharing. Wow. Interestingly enough, when you think that you're going to care about the animals, you realize that you care about the relationship between humans and animals. And that is really where you can help most. That is an interesting twist of events between what you were expecting and what you discovered, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a, It seems at first like a very subtle twist, but in fact, um, it's... Um, quite a pronounced difference because you know we domesticated these animals; they are domesticated by us, and and it seems logical to me that by having done that, then it's our responsibility to then help them to adjust and to assimilate, you know, rather than treating them just like wild animals or treating them sometimes even worse like humans we're getting it we're, we're missing all the points we're missing the fact that these are animals but they're domesticated and they're not humans they're domesticated by us and they should be seen as extremely important animals in their own right but it shouldn't be com- compared to wild animals or to human beings because they're not and if we if we think about them like that then we miss the magic and the point and the incredible uh, The it's the most phenomenal thing that we can have a relationship with another species this close to us. Domesticated cat, domesticated dog, whatever, domesticated bunny. And there are our little bridge from being a human being to the animal kingdom. Uh, And I I think that's really fascinating. And uh, I think it can be dangerous to, to, to treat an animal too much like a human. And it can be dangerous to to conflate. Uh, domesticated animals with wild animals so I think it's really important if you work with domesticated animals and obviously when I was in Africa I had this beautiful uh, example always of the wild and the not wild and um, it really helped me to make that that differentiation and a lot of people I think don't think about things like that and that can be very confusing for a domesticated animal I think so I'm really trying to in my work help people to enjoy the fact that um we have a specific relationship with domesticated animals and we should see them for the magical thing that they are
0: Mm, that's fabulous so this is so how now with all that knowledge with then having discovered this um island uh, island in greece how did you come up with positive pet academy
1: um well having been to um, worked in quite a few different places i've always been really lucky because i'd been well received wherever i'd been and that kind of given me a little bit of overconfidence uh and made me a little bit cocky uh and i kind of felt like i couldn't lose uh, which can be as we all know a, a wonderful thing but it can also be your banana skin you know <laughs> And uh, and when I came to Rhodes, I really could see that domesticated animal uh, families were really doing a a horrible job. You know, the dogs were chained up on balconies, chained up against trees, never walked, never socialized, not uh, trained or socialized when they were young. And it was just a horrible thing to see. And I thought, I said, don't worry, guys, I'm going to help you because I know loads of stuff. And it was just a, a disaster because by pushing in and trying to um, impose myself, I just pushed people away. And they, everyone just thought, who is this idiot uh, coming over, trying to like get involved with our, our culture and our lifestyle? And in hindsight, I just played it so wrong. And I did act uh, like a spoiled child. And, um, and the really big lesson for me out of this was um, <laughs> when you mess up that badly, that is the period for growth. It's like, because I, I didn't know what to do for a year or so. I wasn't getting any traction. And the only people that were really treating me seriously were vets who were like, oh, we, we've heard of positive training methods. We've heard of positive reinforcement force-free methods. We think that's the way forward. But it wasn't getting any traction with the local people because they were just doing the same thing they've always done, which is sending dogs away to guys for three months and, you know, just stuff that isn't working, really. And uh, so I decided rather than trying to um, operate on the level of dealing with adults, um, I was going to try and build an education program or at least write a little book which I thought would help people to uh, at least start or think about things in the right way. And so that's exactly what I did. And uh, just through some serendipity and being in the right place at the, ro- at the right time, uh, the book has found its way into the, uh, the education system.
0: And uh, what is that book called? What is the name of the book? Uh,
1: it's called uh, A Dog's Life With You. So it's, uh, it's a book which is a, a little bit about uh, the things I was talking about earlier. So the domestication of animals, how important it's our responsibility to care for them? Um, and the, the focus then is about teaching children soft skills. So the skills are like empathy, problem solving, conflict resolution, uh, understanding, patience, consistency—all these kind of uh, slightly more abstract soft skills—which aren't generally taught in schools, especially not in countries like this in this part of the world. Anyway, I think they're becoming it's becoming more popular in, in countries like Scandinavia and things like that. Um, and it's about looking at these situations through the lens of uh, having an animal in your life. Like my animal needs to be looked after is it in pain? Is it thirsty? Is it getting enough exercise? Uh, am I playing the, the correct role in this in this relationship? And if I am not, then I need to ask myself why I, I've taken this animal into my life in the first place mm. and to take responsibility for, uh, for that and, and, and to do it in a soft and, and friendly and kind way. You know, there's no judgment here. I just want people to think about uh, families to think about what's the purpose of having an animal in their life and, and, and not just doing it because they feel like it's the cultural thing to do.
0: Mm-hmm. I heard a lot of stories uh, that led people to adopt or rescue an animal for companionship. And I noticed as well that some animals can have very surprising Interspecies friendship and companionship. What is the most amazing connection of friendship that you saw between a dog and another species that's human?
1: Well, you know, if you work in stables a lot and you work in animal sanctuaries a lot, um, you know, you find it's very similar with, with people. You know, people aren't pigeonholed, if they're not pigeonholed all the time from when they're young. And it's our job with our children to do that, I think, to to try and open their mind away from the compartmentalization of things. Then you find that it's much easier to make friends with someone from a different uh, race, religion, creed. Or I mean, the whole idea that we can't make relationships with people because they have different ideas is completely bonkers. And it seems to be it's something that I really can't get my head around. Um, and I, that there is no reason. Like, people think, because of cartoons, that dogs don't like cats, but... In reality, a lot of the time, if a cat moves and runs, if a cat stands still, you'll generally find that a dog doesn't do anything. They just they just kind of square off against each other. If I run as fast as I can across a room and there's a load of dogs that I don't know, they'll probably chase me because it's a uh, it's an instinct. And uh, it's not to say that there aren't uh, some dogs that don't like cats and a lot of it's down to uh, experiences and the way that we act when, uh, when we have a dog and there's cats around. There's a million different things it could be. But... I've seen uh, dogs and cats sleeping together. One of the dogs I have when it was having puppies, it, now it would chase a cat quite happily. But back in the th- in the day in the farm, it was sleeping in beds full of cats, sleeping next to uh, horses and donkeys in the stables. And um, there isn't a period of time when the animal sickness, there's anything weird about that. And, and I think that's the beautiful thing about children as well. They're hanging around with different types of kids from different types of places. and They don't care about what football team they support or uh, what church their parents go to. You know, it's just, uh, it's in its purest form. And I think domesticated animals are like that. There's a great video I saw online of a woman who rescued a kitten who turned out to to be a a, a big black cat. Uh, And uh, there's some beautiful footage of the animal growing up with with the Rottweiler and the Rottweiler's cleaning it. And then the, the cat gets bigger and bigger than the dog and they just play and you know uh, every time that you work in a place where there there is wild animals you understand why wild animals uh want to stay away from humans of course they do you would if you've been through what they've been through the trauma that's handed down through the generations so if you can ever f- film a, a form a bond with an animal especially if it's wild then it should be cherished but one of the reasons why i love working with animals generally domesticated is is it's a little Glimpse
0: into interspecies symbiosis. That was beautiful. Thank you for sharing. I mean, it's so precious to to take the time to admire our differences and to actually build relationships based on our interspecies differences and learning to discover a completely different perspective. But at the end of the day, we are all looking for the same thing. Shelter, love, safety, food, reproduction—everything. Yeah, we, we we are all looking for that same base, regardless of our species, and being able to actually bring each other, between all kind of of people and all kind of animals, bring each other that safety, that 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 peace, knowing that we are cared for knowing that we are loved regardless how we look like how we smell like how we whatever how we express ourselves what sound comes out of our mouths or whatever i mean that's pretty amazing i'm very happy to actually meet you and to hear your stories and different parts of the world different kind of animals elephants and all kind of things that's pretty cool
1: well tell me a little bit what i mean i when i we spoke before briefly uh i saw some very stunning cats playing in the background and uh, and I wonder what your relationship is with uh,
0: with animals that is an interesting question we are in the cat rescue um, industry and uh, not industry I would say passion it's our passion to rescue cats and to give them a good life in a sanctuary um, in a sanctuary environment and create a, what we have discovered, it is known that dogs can be service animals and can be healers in their own ways, but it's not, so, it's not so much known how cats can also perceive your pain and come on your body where it hurts, purr, bring their warmth, and make you feel better. It's pretty amazing. So it's, it's a give, give, it's a give and take, you know? It's a, it's a relationship. We care for them, they care for us. We heal them, they heal us. We we, we, we feed them, and, and it's so cute to see how they come and they ask with so much intention, with their little mouth, like, meow. But it's like, you cannot miss the communication. It's so clear. It's either love me, paint me, feed me, or there is such a weird thing with my other um, sibling over there. but but that is that is transformational in itself to be able to connect so deeply with animals this upcoming year we are really creating a 501c3 sanctuary around those animals to, to to do it officially and to continue to care for and to help them have the best life possible when we were living in los angeles prior to moving to phoenix arizona we did countless trips by car to transport animals that were relinquished to city shelters, to bring them to sanctuaries to make sure that they can have the longest, most beautiful life possible and not just um, in cages, in city shelters where best case scenario someone adopt them, worst case scenario they are euthanized because there is not enough place, you understand. No, I don't understand. <laughs> because yeah.
1: Yeah it's a very it's a very uh it's very sad and very it's a very emotive world and and I and you know the reason why I decided to go down the route of education is I just feel like there isn't any other way to uh to stop this vicious cycle um exactly. and if you if you can help children to understand um the choices they make at the beginning when it comes to getting a new animal or Um, because legislation does, it it has its role legislation like with anything, but what you really need to do, if you want to change things from the experience I've seen in my work is you need to make things culturally taboo, you know, culturally, if you've got six people on a road and they've all got their dogs on chains, but if you flip that round 10 years down the line and only one person have, and everyone's looking at you going, look, mate, that's not cool. You know, that maybe we used to do that, but we don't do that anymore. You know, this is, this is not, this is not good it sounds um overly simplistic but you need to teach people that you know this is not acceptable this is uh, inappropriate behavior you know we've grown out of this we we're we're evolving <laughs> that's the idea anyway it's difficult sometimes to see that when you look at the news or whatever but you know the whole idea is we're evolving we're improving you know there are more rights now more people which is great you know it's easier for a lot of people to, to get by in the world than it, than it was perhaps in some ways but uh you know we need to continue that in all facets of our life so pe- people can live better have a better sense of uh, moral cultural responsibility and that should be passed on to the way that we uh, we treat our animals
0: mm, I fully agree I fully fully agree thank you very much for for bringing the wisdom that you have acquired through all those different experiences through through to this first opportunity at 20 years old okay uh, yeah can you please take care of my dogs sure let's see
1: <laughs> well <laughs> I mean, well, well, that's, well, there's there's a lot of uh there's a lot of dogma for with no pun intended but there's a lot of dogma like there used to be around the kind of enlightenment period where you know, uh, there was a lot of dogma in in uh, in religion, and then people came along and said, "Hey, let's try and think about this a little bit. Let's try and change the power structure." And there's a lot of dogma in the in the dog world. You know, there used to be this. People would always talk about packs of wolves, and they would talk about being alpha and dominating. And you know, when you when you look at the the evidence around what the, those papers were about, and there were there, a lot of them were focused on captive animals and so it was like it would be like going to a male prison and saying and doing a study on humans and saying that's how humans behave from a <laughs> from a small study group it's it's really true and then what you've got is you've got generally a certain type of people that are attracted to doing a certain type of job so you then have people who, who, who like the do- idea of domination and you know, misogyny and just being the alpha. And, you know, you've got to do this. You've got to push the dog's face in the feces and you've got to like show them who's the boss and let them know when you're angry. You know, the fact is that the evidence says completely different and it's taking time, uh, decades and generations to, for people to understand that these things. I mean, if you just want to look at it from a coldly analytical point of view, they're also not effective. You know, if I bash someone around the head with a saucepan, if they're saying nasty stuff, they might stop talking. But so therefore that I get the desired result, but everything else is ruined and it makes it makes everything else difficult. You know, the fact is the great trainers, the great police trainers or whatever, they're using positive techniques and they're getting better results and they're getting quicker results. And so it's just a matter now of trying to teach people that you don't need to be a bully. To get results you don't need to be constantly reactive and the positive pet academy is about saying when things are going wrong you need to sh-. you need to hold that mirror up to your face and say where are my shortcomings where am i failing as a teacher what are, what are my blind spots uh and how can i take a breath and be objective and be a bit more zen about what's going on instead of just being reactive because when we react against an animal like like a dog, we don't know the effect it really has on them. We just can observe things and we can hypothesize and put two and two together. But in, in reality, the only way we're ever going to get better is to just be better versions of ourselves with our animal, because then because everything's on us, and and that's the way it should be. You know, because it's it's all about learning. It's it's like when you first become a parent. You know, it's brutal how how the light is shone on you as a person and all your uh, failures. I mean all your good things as well but your failures get really uh, magnified
0: oh yeah oh yeah and when it, you have uh, your kids uh, repeating your behaviors that you know is wrong and you look at it like that you cannot do that yeah but you know mom that you were doing exactly that ah <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: exactly exactly so it's you know whilst I, I there are parallels i mean i'm working at the moment with uh, two psychoanalysts uh, 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 husband and wife they're both psychoanalysts with kids they then not tell me that so i'm halfway through a, an hour-long session and t- telling them about things they need to do with their families and i just drop in so what do you guys do for a living and they're like well we work in child psychoanalysis and i'm like you i'm like you, you i'm telling you stuff that you teach and they're like yeah we we know that but we just need to hear it from someone else <laughs> so it's like it's important to see the parallels between how we with our children and how we are with our animals there are there are plenty of examples when they don't work but there are lots of examples when they do so it's really important to see that and um to realize that it is a mirror that shines onto us so the the kind of premise of my training academy is about it's about softly taking time enjoying the process enjoying when things go wrong because you'll look back at those times and say i got better. We got better as a team and, the, the, and the, the, the relationship we've built through the exercises that I've designed are supposed to make you have that kind of symbiotic rapport with your animal, which is something which is very difficult to put into words.
0: Fascinating. John, thank you so much for having come on the show today. Thank you for sharing your uplifting and inspiring stories all about animals, Positive Pet Academy. All your information are in the description of this episode to make sure that people can reach out to you, find you. And, um, yeah, it's an honor to have you. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Gemma. You're an absolute star. And you keep doing what you're doing. You're ex- extremely inspiring. And I'm sure that everyone that watches your show and knows your story is uh, takes a little bit of magic
0: out of what you do. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that so much.